0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Chew the Cud. I'm John Houston, Director of Business Services for Protrition Feed. Thank you for joining us this evening. It's my honor to introduce our guest this evening, Mr. Todd Steen, who is the Ruminant Nutritionist for Protrition Feed. Todd, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, we want to uh, talk a little bit about sheep and goats, obviously, but uh, more in depth about uh, this time of the year. And you know, many people are lambing and kidding this time of the year, and and want to focus on supplementing uh, our hays and supplementing some of the uh, uh, forage types that are out there. We all know that uh, uh, our forages in Tennessee, uh, no matter really how good, for for all practical purposes, won't meet all the needs uh, of these mamas as they start kidding and lambing. So uh, when it comes to mineral supplementation specifically, uh, talk a little bit about Uh, some of the minerals and vitamins that would be necessary, and uh, then, if you don't mind, talk about some of the organic and inorganic uh, sources of those. Well, right off the bat, when we talk about the
1: small ruminant, first thing we start thinking about from a mineral perspective is uh, selenium and vitamin E because of the potential uh, white muscle disease uh, that do have a tendency to plague it can plague any ruminant, it can plague any animal, really, but we seem to see it here in the state more, a lot more with the small ruminant. Our forages are selenium deficient, no question about that. Uh, we know that uh, a lot of the minerals that we supplement uh, from native forages here simply do not have enough to keep up with. So we want to make sure that from a vitamin mineral perspective, we want to make sure that we have a... Good complementary dose of selenium. Now, selenium will be the prevention for white muscle disease. But why vitamin E is important is because it takes vitamin E to maintain blood selenium status with the animal. So the two go hand in hand to be able to to do its to do what it's intended to do. There are other minerals as well. Uh, generally speaking, we would typically think the small ruminant. Whether it's a goat or sheep might be having twins. So she would be lactating very heavily. So one of the big minerals that we would have is a major mineral calcium is going to be very important. So we want to make sure that we provide that because, uh, with the, with the ewe or the nanny milking, uh, fairly heavy when you look at a metabolic body size, uh, that they would have, the amount of milk that they would be uh, producing would be quite substantial. So that's going to be a big mineral that we're going to have to maintain is is the calcium aspect of it. So we want to not only focus on the trace mineral, but we
0: also want to focus on the major mineral as well, too. So, Todd, talk a little bit about about zinc. Uh, I know some of our producers can at times get (coughs) overly concerned about hoof health and and uh, when you think about hoof health, most producers think about zinc, but uh, there's several different, or at least a couple of different types of zinc and how that gets in the system. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, zinc is important, no question about that. For hoof integrity, for hoof health, strengthening of the hoof outer wall, uh, zinc is going to play an important role there. One of the things that uh, we have available, is an organic inorganic trace mineral. Uh, the inorganic for an example zinc sulfate would be uh an inorganic source. Uh is is a very common uh, uh source of zinc to supplement. But we've also uh have an organic uh sources, zinc methionine that um that work hand in hand with each other. We like supplementing both. Because uh, of the way of rate of absorption and the type and the locations of uh, absorption to the bloodstream, we want to be able to supply both. We do our forges here in the state of Tennessee do have antagonists, and we want to use the two sources because we think it's important to maintain blood, selenium, blood zinc status. Uh, other ones would include would include. Um, Uh, methane, I'm sorry, uh, manganese, I meant to say, and magnesium, magnesium being a major mineral. But the manganese would be another one that we would want to try to help maintain. Now, the great thing about zinc and manganese and selenium, for that matter, is we call them trace minerals because all it takes is a trace. It's a small inclusion package. So that makes it easier for our producers to be able to make sure that our animals Uh, Have a have a good supply
0: of those particular minerals. So, so just another question along those lines, just for information purposes. Talk just a little bit about some of the technology (coughs) that exists when it comes to some of these minerals and antagonists. For instance, if you see a product uh, Vela-4, or some of those type products, or a chelate, or you know, those are terms and buzz terms in the industry. And they work kind of uniquely to to, to help us uh, um, work with the antagonists that are in the
1: bloodstream. Correct. Because uh, what makes them an antagonist is that these compounds in our forages actually bond or chelate, if you want to use that term, to render the the trace mineral source unavailable to the animal. So one of the keys one of the things that that we would like to do in our supplementation is to provide both sources because if one of them gets tied up then the other one is free and available to be absorbed into the bloodstream. So it's almost like uh, it's almost like in a football situation where you have somebody blocking and then you have the running back that gets through. Uh so you have uh you have certain sources that that are going to be available to be chelated or tied up by the antagonist, and when that gets done, then the other source is available to for absorption into the bloodstream. So having the multiple sources is uh, is really a good idea here within the state of Tennessee with with uh, with the antagonists and the and the different uh, things that our forages um, will have
0: in them. All right. So let's let's shift gears just a little bit. You know. Uh uh in our wintertime, you know we've just experienced some extremely cold <clears throat> temperatures here uh, in Tennessee. Uh, it's warmer today obviously, but uh, uh, as you uh, think about that and we we have these uh, um, tubs that are available and and uh, talk a little bit first about the differences in tubs from what we call a poured tub and what we call a cooked tub or a low moisture tub. Uh, just explain a little bit about that, and then uh, what are the advantages of feeding a tub uh, with our forages? Okay, well, first things first, right off the bat, the tub
1: is uh, is a nice, convenient way for the animal to have access to vitamin-trace mineral supplementation. It's also a, a source of protein. It also be could be a source of energy, depending on uh, fat levels or what what other type of ingredients that would be a part of it? Generally speaking, the differences between the poured and the, the cooked for all practical purposes is the amount of dry matter that's, that's associated there. The cooked tub will have a lot of that moisture taken away. So when the animal starts uh, licking or trying to consume uh, that particular tub, you don't have A lot of water there getting in the way to dilute out the nutrition that's there. And because of that, then the inclusion rate that the animal would have to take would be much smaller. Poor tub, nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It just will have a little bit more inherent moisture content, so the animal would would have to consume a little bit more to get the same amount of nutrition. So convenience is a big thing here because we can take the tubs, And set them out. They are weather resistant and the animal can take it on a free choice basis. And the producer doesn't have to go out there and feed every day or, or every twice a day or whatever his, whatever that regime may be. So with a gestating you or nanny, uh, having something like that out there available to them would be
0: relatively easy for the
1: producer from a feeding perspective.
0: So just to back up a little bit from mineral supplementation, I think it would be important for our audience to understand uh, consumption just a little bit. You know, with a sheep or a goat mineral, uh, if the tag says two, maybe three ounces per day, that doesn't necessarily mean that each and every day they're going to consume two to (laughs) three ounces. Uh, So talk about, the consumption and and over a period of time and how that really works. Yeah, over a period of time would be the
1: thing. Now, the animal will not take, you know, a few grams of mineral uh, today and tomorrow and the next day on a true flat line consistent basis. It's going to be more of a up and down type thing. So when you average it out over a, a given period of time, then you would be more or less where the where the label would read there, just animal behavior, uh, it, it will be some variation uh, with that type of consumption. Now we kind of recognize that, and we know it. And we're talking small ruminants. The small ruminant is very notorious for uh, up and down type feed intakes. Not that that's uh, not that that's a bad bad thing, uh, but we recognize it, and and we want to try to to uh, prepare for that and head that off uh, all along. Another thing about all this is very important. Um, All of these type products and all of these type minerals and vitamins, they're all very, very important. But we also have to want to make sure that we have enough energy to supply the animal's needs. Because uh, with a gestating ewe or nanny, uh, her energy requirements are at I wouldn't call it a, a complete minimum, but once she, uh, once she has those youngins and lactation sets on, her requirement for energy is going to go way up astronomically. So we want to make sure that that is taken care of in a healthy manner because you can have the greatest vitamin mineral source, but if we don't have the energy to power it, it really does no good. So we have to make sure that not only is intake of the supplement important, but overall total dry matter intake is going to be important. Now you mentioned earlier about we've had some real, real cold weather, and uh, you, know, it, you know on my farm it was minus four that one particular morning, and that's pretty that's that's pretty stressful for any type of animal. But having enough forage, having enough overall feedstuffs available will take care. Of a lot of those issues. Now, will she will that animal be stressed at those temperatures? Well, of course they will to a certain degree. So, if we provide a little extra, then we will make sure that body functions and everything are taken care of.
0: Yeah, you know. So, you know, these ruminant animals can do quite well with with enough forage and and <clears throat> keeping water to them in, in these uh, cold temperatures. So, to uh, I guess to bring everything back in a couple of take home points. Uh, most of our forages are, are not going to provide uh, our our animals our, the, all their daily needs. They're not going to uh, uh, get everything they need from the forage, so it is important to supplement. Uh, and then uh, how we do that uh, can be, you know, with a mineral or a tub or uh, whatever the case, but. But uh, we we need to remember when we're talking about sheep and goats, just so our audience, I know most of our audience will be aware, but be sure you're feeding sheep products to sheep and goat products to goats. And you might just hit on that. We've done that in other videos, but in particular, as it relates to copper just before we end here, uh, so we can make that point.
1: The small ruminant does have a particular uh, problem with uh, uh, some of the uh, copper extractions and what have you in that um, all animals do hoard a little bit of copper in the liver, but uh, the small ruminant is particularly sensitive uh, to that. So we want to make sure that that's in check and that we're not over-supplementing uh, any, of, any of that issue. So making sure that a product that is formulated for the small ruminant is of issue not only because of copper, but other mineral as well, Because the small ruminant, particularly the males, are going to be sensitive to urinary calculi or water belly, uh, some folks have, and a lot of the, what I'll call the lower economy beef feeds will be formulated with a lot of ingredients that may predispose that small ruminant to those conditions, which is a risk that really nobody wants to incur. So copper is an important thing to pay attention to because of the sensitivity that the small ruminant has, but there are other things too. So it's
0: it's more than just simply copper. So, so with, with small ruminants, obviously sheep would be more sensitive to copper than than the goat. Uh, Correct. So we would uh, just want to make that point and, and thank Todd for uh, being with us today. And also say to our audience that if you have further questions about Uh, small ruminant supplementation and nutrition. See the folks at your local farmer's co-op. Thanks for joining us.